Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I want to welcome all of those that are watching online. I want to welcome our Tempe campus. We're about to have a good time. Are you ready? Did you come for a good time? Anytime Jesus shows up, you know there's going to be a good time. And so today is no exception. I'm glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? Are you sure? All right, good. Um, I, we in our family celebrated a monumental event in October. And that was my youngest son, my baby's 12-year-old birthday. And that may not seem like that big of a deal, but for our family, that kid or all of us staying alive until he turned 12 was like a humongous miracle. Are there any parents watching online in the house? You always have that one kid. We thought, like when Brad and I had our first two kids together, we thought, we are amazing parents. Like, we have got this thing down. Our kids are verbally trained. We can say stop, they stop. We can ask them to do things, they do them. We like silently judged all the people in the grocery store whose kids were having meltdowns. Uh, Then we had Jackson. And it was like the Lord was like, your pride has led you to this moment. (laughs) But I, I remember he got out, he learned to crawl out of his crib, I think at 14 or 15 months old. We called him Houdini. There was nothing that could keep him locked down or out of trouble. The gym was like, sorry, we have to fire you. We can't keep your kid safe. Like, you can't come to this gym anymore. I'm like, oh. Okay. Um, The kid walked out of the house in the middle of the, like, he just was, he was crazy. And I thought, I don't know um, what is happening here, because I had such two really well-behaved children, and now I have Jackson. And I promise, like, I never thought I would be the parent that would buy a leash for my child. Like, you, you know you judge the leash people. I became the leash person because we went camping, and I thought, he will not go into the woods, and I will never see him again. So I got a little Elmo backpack leash, and then I got one of those, like, swirly dog steak things, you know, that you put in the ground. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then an even longer leash, and I was like, there, Jackson, you have, like, 20 feet to keep alive. Um, that, that was Jackson. He did not follow well. Let's just put it that way. His world was that he was living in the world, and my job was just to follow him around and keep him alive. And it's super cute, maybe when you're two, but what about when you're 22 or 42? or 62, but so many of us, I think sometimes when it comes to a life of following Jesus, we're not that great at following. We take on the attitude of Jackson where it's like, God, I want to do my thing. I want to go where I want to go. I want to I make all of these plans, and I'd love for you to follow me around and just bless them, Lord. Keep me safe, God. Protect me. Bless my business. Bless this venture that I'm stepping into. And we, we live our lives, and a lot of times we ask Jesus to follow us and keep us safe and keep us blessed, keep us happy. We believe in Jesus, we love his ideas, we like his ideals, we like the way he lives, but the question I believe he's asking us this weekend, and the question I kept hearing over and over again as I was preparing is, but are you following? So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write that at the top of your page, but am I 
following. But am I following? Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Are we letting him determine our steps? Or like Jackson, do we think we know where we're going and we're just asking him to keep us safe, bless us, keep us alive? I think if we listen to our prayers, we can kind of get a clue as to where we're at when it comes to following Jesus, right? The way we handled 2020, if we were so frustrated by every plan that was canceled, every trip that had to be postponed, everything that we had scheduled that had to be delayed, and we're just waiting for 2021 to come so we can get life back to normal, get in the driver's seat, have a predictable path that we control. But are we following? Are we following? And here's the thing, unlike me, God's never going to put a leash on you and force you to follow him. He invites us to follow him. Time after time again throughout scripture, over 20 times in the gospel, Jesus invites people to follow him. He doesn't force his way, he invites us to follow him. And it's a choice that we have to make. And so I think the question that God wants to really dig into our hearts with today is, Am I following? I think he wants to speak to areas of our lives that have become passive. Following Jesus is not a passive sport. It's an active, participatory, day in and day out activity that we participate in voluntarily. We follow him. Jesus invites us into an active relationship following him. It's an active sport. And I don't think anything can really describe the generation and the world we live in better than this. The other day, I'm having a conversation with my friend's son. And I was, you know, trying to relate. He's a teenager. I was trying to be cool. And I was like, so, like, what'd you think of that DeAndre Hopkins catch this week? Like, it was pretty amazing, right? All the Cardinals fans were pretty excited. And he was paused. And he was like, yeah. As his team manager, I could not have been more proud. And I was like, Team manager, like you're 16, and then I realized fantasy football. Like this kid, he thinks he just managed a team by sitting back on an app on his phone. Like that is the the definition of passivity. Like we have stepped into a world where we can follow people by swiping right or pushing a button. We can follow them on Instagram. We can follow them on Twitter. We can follow their career, but following Jesus is an active sport. And it requires something of us. It's not just believing in him, it's following him. You know, the early church was never wasn't labeling themselves the word Christian. They didn't call themselves that till later on. What they called themselves in the book of Acts as they're just like making their way, they called themselves followers of the way. Throughout Acts, you hear that time and time again, followers of the way. But am I following? You know, when I drive to California to visit my family, um, there's road signs on the way. I know when I hit quartzite, like, I'm on the right path. I know when I get to the windmills, I'm two hours away from my mom's house. I know when I pass Malibu, I can call my mom and say, I will be there in 15 minutes. Because there's road signs when I'm following the right path to get to where I'm decided to go, which is home, back home. 
And when we're following Jesus, there are road signs that can, can really indicate, yes, we are following Jesus. We are participating in an active form of following Jesus. So we're going to look at just a few of them today. And here's the first one. You know you're following Jesus when? When he leads you into uncertainty. When he leads you into uncertainty. We love uncertainty. How many? Matthew 8.18 says this, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of the religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Jesus was saying to this guy, like, you do realize, like, it's really nice that you want to follow me. I'm homeless right now. Like, I don't even have anywhere to lay my head tonight. Actually, I'm headed to Jerusalem. It's probably where I'm going to be crucified in a very short, like, do you realize that following me, it's costly? You see, when Jesus asks us to follow him, one of the ways that he, and the things that he invites us into is into a life of uncertainty, and that's not a great selling point, maybe, because not, we don't always like uncertainty, but that is the cost of following Jesus. Following Jesus will cost us comfort and certainty. In John 21, Jesus is, is looking at Peter and talking with him after Peter has been following Jesus for three years. He's been learning, and, and Jesus has been working with him because Peter was a rough case. Like, he was not a good follower at first. In fact, he comes to the end of Jesus' life when he's being crucified, and Peter denies him three times. And Jesus says, Peter, after he raises from the dead, he comes he finds him on the shore. He's trying to like pick up Peter's head of defeat after he's denied Jesus and he realizes his life is not what he thought it would be. And he looks him in the eyes and he says, follow me. And he invites him into this whole other future. Peter thinks his life is over and his life is just beginning. It's this life of uncertainty. Following Jesus costs us certainty. And the thing I love about uncertainty is it can go by another name. We can look at the life that Jesus calls us into and say, he calls me into a life of uncertainty, or we can look at it as a life of adventure. When he called Peter and Andrew at first, he said, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's just this, like, this adventure of what does that even mean? What's a fisher of men? In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are going into this, the temple just to pray like they normally do, Jesus has risen from the dead, and now they're at the beginning of the church, and, and they're just like following Jesus the best they know how. They're in this day in and day out of this is what we do, and Jesus comes in and interrupts his life. There's a man sitting outside the temple, lame, begging for change. They look up at Peter, and he's like, hey, do you have any change for me? And Peter and John, in this adventure of uncertainty, they're like, we don't have money, but we got something for you. On an average day, on an average trip to the church, just to pray, we can heal you in the power of Jesus. They, they lift him up, his legs are strengthened, and his life takes on a total different turn, all because they are following Jesus into this life of uncertainty. And that's what our life is designed to look like. You know, last week... I talked to my mom after church, and she went to her church in California, and we were chatting, and she said, hey, I was in the prayer room today. We have this little prayer room, and everyone takes a little slot that 
they're supposed to pray, and it was my slot. And so I'm sitting in there, and no one, no one came in. No one needed prayer. And so I just prayed that day, and I said, God, if there's anyone that needs love today, would you send them across my path? Would you send them to me today? Because I want to love them the way you want to love them. I kid you not, 30 minutes later, she's driving to get some lunch. She encounters this 18-year-old homeless girl who's asking her for change and says, do you have any change? I just need some food. And my mom's like, you need food? She's like, yeah, I need food. She said, I'll get you some food. So she gets her some food, and then she spends some time with her talking, and she realizes she needs way more than food. The next thing she knows, she's buying her clothes at Kohl's. They go to Kohl's. And the next thing you know, this leads to just not a two-minute exchange of giving her some change. It leads to her to four hours of spending time, this girl in her car, driving, dropping her off at a hotel, paying for her to sleep there so she can shower, and costing her way more than she ever set out for her $5 Chipotle lunch. But this is what the life of Jesus looks like. You might just be going to church to pray. You might just have came today to show up and hear a message. But Jesus has invited you to a life of uncertainty. And if our eyes and our ears are open to hear what he's asking us to do, there will be moments that it will get messy and your little Camry might have some dirt on it because you invite a stranger in. But Jesus says, this is the life that I've called you to. You know you're following me when things get messy. You know you're following me when things are uncertain because the life of Jesus is marked by a life of uncertainty. Paul told us this in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, this life of following Jesus, it's going to require, you might feel anxious sometimes. Like it, it might be uncomfortable for you. You might be tempted to be worried because you don't really know what's going to happen. But this is what you have to do. Don't be anxious. Pray to God. Why? He knew what following Jesus looked like. He was writing those exact words from prison. He's like, this following the way, it's not certain. And so when we live a life that feels uncertain to us and we don't know Uh, where we're headed and it requires more faith than we'd like it to have, that is a sign that we are following Jesus. Somewhere we got this idea that following Jesus is like a life of floating on a cloud and angels come and they bring you grapes and you're just like enjoying this like comfortable life, but we don't see that in scripture. I don't. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, have I, I've told you all this so that you could have peace here on this earth you're going to have many trials and sorrows. That is the selling point, Jesus. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Jesus does not promise us certainty in our circumstances, but he always promises us certainty in him. And that is the mark of a life of following Jesus. And so at the end of each one of these points, we're going to have a follower's prayer. Like this is a participatory message. So I'm going to pray this prayer. You're going to repeat it after me. You're going to say it loud. If you're at home, you're going to say it loud. In Tempe, I want to hear you from here. This is the follower's prayer. Are you ready? Wow. Good. The follower's prayer is this. Say, Jesus, lead me into uncertainty. Amen. You just prayed a dangerous prayer. 
I tricked you, sorry. But here's the questions you have to ask yourself when you pray that prayer. What areas of my life do I need to embrace uncertainty? In which areas of my life is God asking me right now to trust him more? Because we gotta follow Jesus into uncertainty. The second thing we have to follow him into is identity. We know we're following Jesus when he leads us into identity. What does that mean? It means that following Jesus shapes our identity. When we start to feel the very things that we're made up of, who we are is getting messed and jacked with, and Jesus is doing things inside of us, you know you're following Jesus because he always comes after our identity because he knows the enemy always comes after our identity every single time. We accept him, we step into his family, the enemy is right there to contend for our identity and our purpose, that's what he wants. Jesus knows because he experienced this. He was born, he lived 30 years of his life, and then as he embarks into ministry, he gets baptized by John the Baptist, he goes under the water, the Holy Spirit descends out of heaven like a dove, and a voice booms and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but that didn't happen for me, right? That is an epic identity, like stamping, securing moment in Jesus's life where his identity is declared to the world. This is my son. And yet like four verses later in Matthew chapter four, Jesus goes into the wilderness right after being baptized. He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and the enemy comes to tempt him. And the very first words out of his mouth are, if you really are the son of God, Command these stones and turn them into bread. The enemy came exactly for the identity that the Lord spoke over Jesus' life. And that's what he does to us. And so when we're following Jesus, he comes time and time again to transform us into, to really, to being with him. Being in Christ has the power to transform our identity from what it was to who he's made us to be. A few verses after that happens to Jesus, he goes and he starts finding his followers. In Matthew 4, 18, it says this, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and they followed him. Jesus says, follow me. And something that you've known a whole life of fishing, that's all you've known. But everything you've known is about to go away. And I'm going to introduce you to something altogether new. Fishers of men, ever heard of it? No, Jesus, we haven't. I'm about to do it. He didn't say, you come, you learn and study fishing men. You, you perfect this skill. Peter, clean up that mouth. You're a little out of hand. Like, do all these things and then come follow me. But sometimes that's what we hear. Like, we hear that we have to change, clean up, do, then we follow Jesus. And that is not how he called it. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus does the transforming of our identity. But we have to know, what is our identity rooted in? For some of us, our identity is rooted in our job, the number in our bank account, who we're with, who we're not with, where we live, 
I come from a long line of worriers or workaholics or whatever it is that you come from. We begin to identify with these things. And then Jesus says, I'm sorry, this is what you've known, but I'm taking you somewhere and shaping you into something altogether new. And so when you start to feel those knocks and those bumps and those things where Jesus is rearranging things in your heart and in the way you see yourself and you see the world, you know you might be following Jesus because he's coming after your identity to transform it and to root it completely and totally in him. It has to be rooted in him. But Jesus, when my marriage is in a better place, then I can get busy following you. When, when I finally figure out my career or when, when I get the relationship that I've been waiting for, Jesus, if you'd just bring that man, I'd follow you. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He does the transforming of our identity. Our transformation so often happens in our activation. So we know when we start following him, he's gonna do that work in us. So here's the follower's prayer. Are you ready? More ready than the last time? Okay. Jesus, lead me into identity. Here's the question for us. In what areas does the enemy come to attack your identity? Where does he know you're weak? Where does he come to challenge you? Is it how you're a provider for your family or you're not? Successful, not successful, where does he come? Make it clear, write it down because Jesus is coming to secure your identity and strengthen it, not in yourself, but in him. The third sign that we're following Jesus is when he leads us into humility. Humility. These are really fun road signs, right? You thought it was going to be like popularity, really good looking. Jesus, you're leading me into lots of blessings and riches. But he's leading us into humility. How do I know? Because Jesus was the embodiment of humility. He was humility personified, the King of kings, the Lord of lords over all the universe, there since creation, spoke the world into existence, and he took on human flesh. The creator becomes the created. Is there anything more humble than that? He said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke on you. Let me teach you this because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. He said, learn from me because I am gentle and humble. I am meek and lowly, one translation says. You know, the mark of a follower of Jesus is someone that is like the person they're following. So that means one huge sign that we are following Jesus is that people would describe you as meek and lowly of heart. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, Am I meek and lowly of heart? If it's your spouse, you could be in trouble. Maybe around the Thanksgiving table. Like, hey guys, I know you've seen all my Facebook posts recently. I just want to know, do you guys think I'm meek and lowly of heart? But the mark of following Jesus is one who is meek and lowly of heart. 
And the disciples had a really hard time wrapping their mind around it, and so do we, because they always wanted to know, well, who's going to sit next to you? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Like, when are we going to be awesome? Because we think following Jesus somehow is going to lead to this place of honor and awesomeness, and we're going to be better and special, and people are going to like us, and they're going to call us an influencer, and we're going to influence the world. And he says at every turn, the greatest among you is the one who serves. Like, follow me. Let, me. let me teach you this. This is not about that at all. It is about getting as low as you possibly can. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only see what he does his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. I love Philippians chapter 2. This is so powerful. Verse 5, it says this, Think of yourself. So tell yourself this. Self? This is how I should think of myself. Think of yourselves the way Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, Jesus lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death, the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus leads us into humility. It's not the absence of power. It's the harnessing of it. The Hebrew word for humility is anah, and it's this picture of a wild stallion being tamed. The king of kings, the lord of lords coming down, harnessing his power to serve humanity and die so that we could live. That's what our lives are to look like. Yes, Jesus comes. He, he does a work in our lives. He transforms us so that we can serve. I love this quote by Andrew Murray. It says this, here's the path to the higher life, down lower down. Like, you think you're low? Get a little lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and bless. This picture of something so low that it can contain the presence of God. And that's what Jesus invites us into, a life that is so humble and so completely and totally dependent on him. Just like Jesus said, I am so completely and totally dependent on my father, so should you be. So that he can flow through you. And so that he can use you. And so that when people see you, they're like, this person, God uses them in a way I've never seen. And that can only happen in humility. You look at the last act before Jesus went to the cross. Like he's about to do the act of ministry that no one would ever top in all of humanity. He's about to go to the cross, be raised from the dead in this amazing and powerful way. Yet before he goes at the last supper, he kneels in front of each one of his disciples. And he says this, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, he knelt down before each one of them and washed their feet. 
I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves aren't greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Jesus didn't come to be exalted to a position of power. He came to serve. And he says, like, you're never going to be greater than me. Don't, don't try. I'm leading you into a place of service and love so that God can flow through you and touch you and use you and bless the world through you. But it's going to require you get down low. It's not this idea of serving our way to power. It's serving our way to death. That's what Jesus did. And so as followers of Jesus, the hard question is, is my life marked by humility? Not because God wants us to walk around with this woe is me attitude, but God wants us to be used. And the only way we can touch the world around us is if we're willing to get low. So here's the prayer. Say this, say, Jesus, lead me into humility. And that means we have to ask the tough questions, like where am I holding on to my own way? Where am I sourcing myself with my own strength? Am I giving too much power to my past that I'm not surrendering to your power to renew my past and to change it and to use me anyway, God. Like all of those things, whether we realize it or not, thinking of ourselves too high, thinking of ourselves too low that God can't use us, both of those things are rooted in pride because they're rooted in ourselves. Humility says, God, whatever you want to do in me, through me, I'm open, I'm yours. And the last thing, the last sign that we're following Jesus is when he leads us into intimacy. Jesus said in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus calls us his friend. He invites us into this place of intimacy because he knows if we're going to follow all those other road markers, if we're going to go into identity, if we're going to go into uncertainty, if we're going to go into humility, all of those things must be rooted in a relationship with him, an intimate, vibrant relationship with him. So he invites us into this place of closeness, not a distant father. He walked with his disciples in a closeness and a proximity that he called them friends, and he invites us into that. So as we follow Jesus, we must realize he's not leading us into a better performance, more effectiveness necessarily. Those things may happen, but he's leading us into a personal, close, intimate relationship with him. Where when, like Peter, when we miss it, He can pick up our head and say, hey, do you love me? Follow me. Follow me into this intimate experience. Cooking breakfast, when he did that for Peter that day, was an intimate act. Jesus invites us into a close relationship. All the other places we can't get to without first coming into an intimate relationship with him. Philippians 3, this is Paul talking, and I love 
his heart and his intimacy with God. It says this, verse 7, the very credentials that these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who had every reason to brag, he said, I'm tearing them up and throwing them out with the trash because along with everything else that I used to take credit for, and why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me was insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there's any other way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. This is Paul's picture of following Jesus, an intimate, vibrant, humble, uncertain, and strong identity follower of Jesus. That's what he's calling us into. It's an invitation. He's not going to put a leash on you and say, you got to follow me and drag you behind. He's going to invite you to follow him. And following Jesus is not a passive sport. It's an active one. So say this, say, Jesus, lead me into intimacy. You know, this picture that I got, and it's kind of a weird one, so it's okay, I'm weird. I have accepted it. Um, as I close the message is that God was inviting us, and again, I'm weird. I'm telling you this in advance. I love road trips. Not everybody does, but I, I love road trips. Like, I feel like if I, if I could fly or I could drive, I want to drive. Like, I want to sit in the car with the people I love. And, and, and if you have small children, you probably think I'm crazy right now, but I love, I don't think there's a better way to get to know someone than a road trip. So if you're like need dating advice and you're not sure if this person's the one, go on a road trip. Like, I'm just telling you, you will learn what annoys you, how their bathroom, I mean, like things will come to surface in a road trip that will happen nowhere else. Like if you have a team that you're leading at work and you're like, I want to take them and do like trust falls and all these things. That's fine. You can do that. But a road trip will suffice. Like you put people in the car together for several hours and you will see what happens. It's like this, this exponential relationship depth happening thing. You can know someone for 10 years or you can go on a two hour road trip and be like, I know them now. And I feel like there's this road trip ahead of all of us. And Jesus is inviting us to get in the car because he wants to take us somewhere that can only happen if we're actively following him. And some of us, I think, have had different attitudes when it comes to following him. Maybe we've been kind of that fearful passenger that's like covering their eyes every, like, I don't know if your mom ever did that, but like one of the, the air suckers, like every turn or the like seatbelt pretenders or a backseat driver, like, God, are we there yet? Because following you is taking you a lot longer than I thought. Like, we're not getting to the destinations that I had in mind. And some of us, 
We've just had a passive approach. We haven't even gotten in the car yet. Like, we just, like, Jesus, I like what he says. That's a good thing for my Twitter. Like, and he's saying, will you follow me? Will you get in this car because I want to take you somewhere? And some of us might be kind of mad because the destinations we're passing, like, he's led us into uncertainty, and we're like, I didn't, I didn't sign up for uncertainty, Jesus. Or you feel like he's messing with your identity and you're like, but this, like, I I just thought you'd bless me. Things aren't turning out the way. Yeah, because he's making something altogether new inside of you. Or you feel that crushing of humility that needs to be worked out inside of you. Like, sometimes we get mad because this is not what we thought we signed up for. But he's saying this morning, like, I'm calling you into a, really this divine road trip. Like, will you go with me? Because where I'm taking you, you cannot get to without me. What I want to do in you cannot happen lest you follow me. What I want to do through you, it requires that you get in and you trust me. So I believe today he wants to call us into this picture of this road trip. And I I don't know about you, but I want to be in on that. I want everything he has for me. Everything Jesus paid the price for me to have, I want it. I want to go where he's calling us to go collectively as a church. So would you stand up on your feet? We're going to go into one more song of worship. And, and really, I want this to be our prayer, our response to the invitation to follow. If you're watching online on our Tempe campus, As we take this time to worship, let our thoughts and our heart and our mind be, yes, Jesus. Wherever you're taking me, I'm in. And let's let's respond in worship.
today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.